So I've been diving into programming. Let me back up. Mm. Um, And really how I focused is having a strong strength bias with adding in um, some kind of corrective exercise, but in a like CrossFit format. Um, I think there's a lot of injury prevention stuff that we can do that's not currently being done within um, a lot of CrossFit gyms, a lot of just kind of like strength and conditioning programs. And, um, I think PT has a bad rap of not being fun. And I think we can make it that way. Your health matters. Health is physical, spiritual, and emotional. It can be great and sometimes poor, but it is always a choice. And it is something worth learning more and more about every single day. My name is Caden and my mission is to discover, learn, and share more about health so that we can all grow better together. Welcome to Choosing Health. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Choosing Health. Thank you for choosing health with me today, and I'm super excited to introduce to you our new guest for the podcast, Kara Hayes. Kara is a doctor of physical therapy who works at a barbell gym in Fishers, Indiana. And she and I have been friends for a couple years now. We actually, well, she went to the same program that I'm about to graduate from for physical therapy. And we sort of connect on a lot of the same principles as far as how we feel like we should be treating and serving the athlete population and where we think physical therapy is going as a whole in the future. And this conversation is really about her and her development and sort of what her philosophies are surrounding health and how she serves the athlete community and and how she implements different aspects of health into her life. Uh, This is a really interesting talk. I think it's a lot of fun to be able to dig deep into someone's backstory and sort of find out why they are the way that they are and, and how they serve people in the greater health community. So hopefully you guys enjoy this talk. And at the end, I'll be linking some of her contact information. You can actually see that down in the description below so that you can reach out to her and and talk to her about any questions or or anything that you'd like to ask her. Um, I think this is really fun, and I think you'll really enjoy getting to know Dr. Kara Hayes a little bit better. Nervous. (laughs) This is your first podcast? Yeah. you never done one before? I haven't. I'm surprised with what you do and what your presence is like on social media that you've never done a podcast with anybody. I haven't. Wow. This will be good practice then. Yeah. (laughs) You send it to the right people. They'll be like, oh. Let's get she can on. talk. You can talk. Yeah. Last the last like I guess when you do your Instagram lives, it's kind of like doing a podcast in a way. Yeah. Like people yeah. are on. It's more like engaging right away, but right. It's not like pre-recorded and then released later. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like good practice. Like that you you still can't really like even though I can show things not to the same capacity as like touching people or being like one-on-one with people. And like, I think that's something that like in PT specifically, you don't realize how much we do that stuff sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You like my purple room? I do. All of my baby toys over there. Yeah. For everyone who's listening, who doesn't know where I work or isn't seeing the video, my, my shop is all set up inside of a, um, like a, a daycare room at the gym. So I share space with that. And that's kind of what we're looking at right now. But thanks everybody for uh, anatomy posters. posters. I love right there, there, there. And then there's one behind the camera too. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining. 
thank you for joining the podcast. I'm excited to talk. Um, We've got a lot of cool things that I want to give you an opportunity to share about yourself, because I think the the goal of this podcast, I tell everybody, is to shed light on different aspects of health in different professional worlds and with people who are doing things differently than, than the traditional way of going about stuff, whether that be with nutrition or physical therapy or, you know, doctor work and all those sorts of things. And I think it's really fun to get perspectives from other people and give them a platform to share so that people can hear, you know, what they're all about and what they like to do. So with you today, I kind of just want to get into who you are, where you started, how everything, you know, built itself up to where you're at now. And then we'll just kind of dive into more about, you know, what you're about and what you do. So why don't you go ahead and um, introduce yourself to everybody and give us a quick backstory, um, you know, childhood moving up into where you got to where you are now. Sure. So my name's Kara Hayes. Um, I grew up a ballet dancer. Um, didn't really have like any injuries or anything like that, but that's really all I did from like three to like 18. And then when I got into college, I um, kind of found that I was in a space where I couldn't really continue dancing just because I was at such a high level previously. And it's really hard to continue once you're like over 18, you're an adult. Um, There just aren't a lot of spaces to do it. So um, I became friends with someone that was really into CrossFit and I eventually went with him and like, I was the girl like drinking the Kool-Aid. I was completely obsessed. Um, and then about two years in, I had a pretty significant shoulder injury. I dislocated my shoulder and then tore the labrum as well. Um, and I was kind of in that case where, um, I was a little bit underserved by the healthcare system. I was someone that was really young, really healthy. And um, I did a little bit of PT, but truthfully, it was like ultrasound. They stretched my arm. Like it was bullshit. And I was just kind of like, I just want to do CrossFit. So I'm going to quit coming here. And um, I really just like rehabbed myself. I was someone that at that time I was kind of already thinking going the physical therapy route so I had kind of been studying Kelly Starrett stuff like I had um like mentors that were chiropractors or my CrossFit coaches at the time and I really just like used all that information to like figure it out for myself so um I did go on to PT school but it was like with that experience I had such an awareness that like I was someone that could really serve athletes. And I think that's a group that actually is very underserved because people don't know what to do with them a lot of times. So um, I went on to PT school. I continued CrossFit through all that time. And um, when I got out, I initially got a job at Riverview Health, which is a local hospital-based clinic. Um, It was actually a really great experience. I think sometimes those clinics get a bad rap, but, I had like 45 minutes with all my clients. I um, saw just about everything I feel like. Um, and I actually still work there a couple days a week, which is kind of nice to have a little bit of mix of things. But um, a couple years into working there, I really decided I wanted to go all in on treating athletes. So I started my own business. Um, I market to primarily CrossFitters, strength athletes, um, anyone that wants to like be healthier, move better, feel better. So yeah. yeah. What's, what's the name of your, of your business? Performance Rehabilitation and Therapy. Performance Rehabilitation and Therapy. Where are you at? 
I'm inside of Force Barbell up in Fishers. Okay, Fishers, Indiana. If this happens to get to anybody who doesn't live in Indiana, then <laughs> look it up on a map. That's what. That's yeah, what exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Kelly Starrett. That's that's a great place to start. I feel like a lot of people who go down the route of wanting to do a lot of their own stuff, especially if you're from a CrossFit or a weightlifting background, you get a lot of inspiration from the good old Supple Leopard. And totally. I started rereading that book recently too. Uh-huh. You know, just kind of going through everything, and I've I learned a lot of new stuff already. Like talking about you know the bracing sequence and how you yes. can set up your athletes to do everything coming from the core and all that sort of stuff. Like that was tons of fun. I enjoyed that. I think he's like such a good, like baseline of information that like Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's like stuff we know, but it's like such a good little, like spark of inspiration to like re-remember and re like teach people those things. Cause I think we get in this space where like, we kind of forget that people don't know that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And the, so, so first time I met you, I remember, um, and I'm trying to I don't quite remember exactly how we even got in contact the first time, but I came to one of your seminars. I think it was mm-hmm. a shoulder seminar. Um, maybe you reached out or we were somehow connected on Instagram. I think it was somewhere on Instagram. Either one of us saw each other or something like that. Yeah. yeah but then I came to your seminar, which you, you do a lot of seminars. Is that something mm-hmm. that, that you enjoy doing? You like teaching people? Absolutely. That's like my favorite thing. Well, I love treatment. Don't get me wrong, but long-term, like I would love to do more and more teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching's fun. You get to show people what they can do all on yes. their own. You don't have to make them rely on us. Yeah. yeah I and like the fact that you can show them doing some, like in a seminar, I'm with those people for an hour, maybe. So it's like being able to show people those quick changes and it's yeah. like, there's so much more that you can do. And like, here's the, this like quick little trick. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we, and I found out too, that we grad, well, I haven't graduated yet, but you graduated <laughs> from Indiana university. That's where you got yeah. your doctorate at. Right. What was your experience like in PT school? Oh, that's such a like loaded question. <laughs> I feel like PT school, um, there's obviously a lot of information that you like need to know in order to be a like successful clinician, especially from kind of the anatomy, the physiology, all that side of things. But, um, I was highly underwhelmed by PT school just to be like really blunt about it. Um, I think I really always joke, like I learned more from CrossFit than I did my education. Um, because I think there's so much value in just understanding how to move. And like, Mm -hmm. when you have those experiences, it really changes the way you treat. Yeah. How do you, how do you notice? And I think this kind of blends into sort of what I want to ask next, but Mm -hmm. you know, what is your specific style of treating people? So what's your personal philosophy around how you conduct your physical therapy? But then how did that breed out of that idea that you just spoke about? You know, there's so much more outside of what you learn in in PT school. You know, how did the stuff that you learned either point you in a positive direction towards the way that you treat or maybe pull you away from another style of treating that's more mainstream and point you in the direction that you're in now? Yeah, I think um, when I think about school, it felt very like regimented. And I think there's some value in that as a young clinician. I think there's a piece of that that I still even kind of hold. Um, but I think there's a lot that you miss out on. Like, I don't know what your experience in school is, 
or has been, but like, I remember like maybe one lecture talking about a squat. And I think that's a big problem because what our patients are doing all day, every day is squatting, lifting, you know, all those kind of basic functional movement patterns. And if I spent like 60 minutes in one lecture in PT school on like how to do a sit to stand, how to do all those, like, and that's just the squat, right? Um, I think that's a huge problem. Um, but I think my philosophy is one, just like listening to people. I think there's so much more information that people want to give you than like we, we give credit for. Um, and then I do a little bit of kind of typical assessment from kind of the PT world, but then I spend a lot of time just kind of watching the way they move in the gym. I really dive into like how they train and um, what their programming looks like. Cause I think that's also a huge piece of the equation that sometimes gets missed. It, it's not always just the way they're moving. It's not just their mobility. It's not just their stability. Like I think we've all like most CrossFitters or people in this world, like have known what overtraining feels like. It feels like shit. Everything hurts. Right. Like yeah. I think there's, I think that's a huge piece of the equation. And I think sometimes if you can just dial in the, people's training volume, how they're warming up or get them warming up. Cause that, that's something I find a lot of people aren't even preparing their bodies yeah. um, to do the work that you're asking them to do. If we, you can dial in hydration and dial in sleep, I think that's another huge component. Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of really watching how they're moving and giving them a couple of things to just start working on. Yeah. Um, I think that goes so incredibly far. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. With the with that idea, you know, understanding that there are some holes and some flaws that you see in PT education, you almost have to wonder, is is there a benefit to being more specific with that style of teaching when some may say that the goal of physical therapy school is just to make a generalist totally. to allow you to pass your test? But where where do you see you know, what, what can you do to fill in some of those holes that you've pointed out in school? Like, do you have any, any ideas of, of what that might look I like mean, to change that? My number one piece of advice for any PT student is always to, especially someone who's not yet in PT school, um, is always to really follow your inspiration. And like, for me, it was CrossFit. I was like, so obsessed with it. And I knew I wanted this to be a part of my life for a really, really long time. So I found lots of mentors that were in that world and um, really dove into that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think the PT world like wants to create generalists and they really like, um, they think that's a good thing where I actually think that's a really bad thing. Like, I don't want to be good at everything. I always like make this joke that like, like if you're a CrossFitter, come on in. If you've had a stroke, I'm not your girl. Like I'm just not <laughs> yeah. like, I'm still like, sometimes people will talk about spasticity and I'm like, what is that again? Like, I don't <laughs> even remember. Like, that's how little I want to see that type of patient. And yeah. I'm like, I know I can't serve you well. Like yeah. there's no question about that. But if you like to lift some heavy shit, like, come on in, like, we will have some fun, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. There's always somebody who specializes in something that you're not good at. So it's important yeah. to understand like, hey, you don't have to be able to treat everything. And I think that's what gets a lot of students overwhelmed. I think the thought of, you know, I'm approaching the end of my three years. 
I don't know how the heck I'm going to treat somebody that has something like that. Yeah. It's like you, you need to just know enough to pass your test and then mm-hmm. find a position where you don't work with the people that, you know, have the conditions that you're like, yep, I have no idea. What to Not do. my thing. And I think the other piece that like, I always tell someone like you is that like, when you really break it all down, if I do have a stroke patient come in, getting them moving is always going to help. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be as like complex as we make it. Yeah. Um, one, I will always refer to someone that specializes in that. But if you're in a situation where like, you're really the only person that can help them, like getting someone moving will always help. And that's like the baseline. Right. And then like, you can go from there. Yeah. So you work outside of traditional means as far as, you know, the type of therapy that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, What does the business structure of that look like for you? What do you mean? Ask your question again. Do you, do you have you know, do you have relationships with specific types of insurances or can anybody just come oh, gotcha. to you? You know, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, pretty much anybody can come to see me. I do all cash pay. Um, if people have out of network benefits, I can give them the information for them to be reimbursed. But, um, I really believe in more of the cash based model. I don't mm-hmm. think, um, insurance necessarily serves someone well that wants to perform at a high level. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Like I mentioned earlier, I still do work in the hospital setting a couple of days a week. And, um, we're seeing more and more insurance denials in there for things like, like patients at functional, functional level, which means like they can take a shower, they can dress themselves, they can feed themselves. And like, that's not the life I want to live. Like, like I would be denied probably my first day. Right. Um, and most of the clients I see in the gym, like they would, the insurance would never approve therapy for them because they're too high functioning. And, um, that's a problem because it's, they're not at their functional level. They're not doing the things that really matter to them because they're in pain. And, um, I just think at this, we're kind of at a space in terms of healthcare and insurance that like it really, the way I can bring people the most value is just by doing straight cash pay. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, that's the direction I went. I never even considered taking insurance in my own practice. Yeah. And I think what we're, what you're doing and, and part of what I'm doing too, is we're breaking into the um, performance-based therapy side of things. Totally. Insurance doesn't care if you can squat more or if you can do more, they only care about that baseline function. Are you functional enough? They don't even care if you can do an actual squat. They're like, can you stand up from a seated position? (laughs) And and I think in some instances that that's fine. I was in a hospital for my last clinical and I I got Mm -hmm. the idea of like, okay, we have to get these people out of the hospital. So our goal is for them is to get to whatever the baseline was. But Mm -hmm. what I would like to see a better continuation of is to get, you know, some sort of flow where we're getting these people from the hospital and we put them on a track of like, okay, you're done here and you're where you were before, but where you were before wasn't necessarily healthy. So here are some places that we'd like to send you to get you moving better. That way you don't have to keep coming in for these types of things. Yeah. Actually speaking to that pre COVID, I was, um, teaching a, we called it a longevity fitness class, but that's kind of what it was designed for is for those older people that, um, I think everyone in my class was like between 65 and like early seventies. And like, I had this guy that had double knee replacements, a hip replacement. He was like squatting with a safety bar. Like it was awesome. And it was, you know, that, um, 
that awareness of like this strength was really going to help him long-term because, you know, if something does happen, if he got COVID and was like in the hospital for however long, um, he has a higher baseline performance, which means when he loses a little bit of that strength, he's still probably a lot higher than the average person going in there. And he may not like need to go to rehab after the hospital before he can go home. Like that's the thing that I really, um, think about with those people. Yeah. What are some of the challenges that you face with what you do? What are some of the difficulties? And number one, running your own practice by yourself yeah. and, you know, treating this specific subset population of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think the majority of the people I come in contact value the, their healthcare enough that they're willing to pay cash. I do still see a lot of people that want to use insurance. And I think it's really just um, a lot of people that haven't had the experience of physical therapy before. So they don't know, um, the whole insurance kind of game. And I think that's still kind of a problem that like, of course, if you're paying for health, health insurance, you want to use it. Um, so I think that's a little bit of a challenge I face. And then honestly, just like getting it all done. Like it's, it's hard as a like sole business owner to do all the advertising, do all the, um, the billing side of things, let alone like the treatment, you know? Yeah. And that, that kind of, that is part of what you do. And I think that's a bigger part of your reach is that advertising the social media side of things. Mm-hmm. You have a really big Instagram presence from what I see. And um, you do have a YouTube channel too, right? Mm-hmm. You're still posting videos to YouTube? I've not been good about it. Not been good. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen notifications yet, but you like to do lots of, you do lots of really great posting on Instagram. You do lives, you do Q and A's with people. It's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. so, so talk more about that. What got you driven in the direction of like, yeah, I need to be making stuff on Instagram. I need to be more. Yeah. So I think I always had it in the back of the, in the back of my mind that, um, that was probably where my demographic was really hanging out. If I was going to pick one like social media platform or just one form of advertising. I felt like Instagram was probably the biggest bang for my buck. Um, and then when COVID hit, I was doing nothing for like three months. Um, so that was when I really was just like, I'm just going to hit this hard because thankfully I still had access to the gym. I could still record as much as I wanted. So I really just committed to posting every single day. And, um, it's one of those things that once you get in the habit, once you kind of figure out the flow and once you kind of get like a plan, it's easy to keep going. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's how it started. And I've, I've still been like going on the straight and narrow. So What role do you see social media playing in the future of physical therapy? The more, because I see a lot more things going online. And yeah. one of the debate questions that we had in the class like two or three weeks ago was this idea of like, will telehealth become the predominant form of physical therapy? Now, yeah, that's I, an interesting question. I argued against that and we got like 76% of the votes like arguing against it because I don't think it'll be dominant by any means over traditional physical therapy, but I do think it'll have a place in just about every clinical practice. And part of that is how do you reach people online first? And that's Mm -hmm. with tips, you know, tricks, educational stuff through Instagram. Um, So what role do you see that playing for you moving forward? 
How do you expand? Um, I think it's going to be huge. Honestly, I did a handful of virtual visits during um, the shutdown. And I will say like, I, I definitely was able to bring value to those people. Like no question asked just because like a lot of times you can talk to someone and kind of figure out what's going on. Um, but of course it takes away the hands-on component, which, um, my real belief on manual therapy is that it's an additive to rehab. I think we can actually rehab people pretty well without it. Um, at least teaching them kind of ways you can do certain components of it to yourself. Um, but I'm a big proponent of like exercise over everything else. I think we really probably need to load more people than anything. So I think, um, virtual or telehealth, I think we can absolutely help people in that way. Um, I think there's some diagnoses that are really, really hard. Um, and then you also like in the hospital world, um, you have to think about the person that like, like I just evaluated someone, I think it was like two months ago now, but, um, he had a traumatic brain injury and, um, I got him out of the wheelchair and he couldn't sit on the table without my assistance. So like those people are never going to really be able to rehab without some Mm -hmm. in person. Right. So I don't think it'll ever go completely telehealth. Um, I think it's a great option if people don't have access though, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's, um, that's something we should really, um, amp up because I think there are a lot of people that like, just don't have access to, um, to therapy at all, or a clinician clinician that really specializes in what they do. I'm sure there's lots of like, you know, high level, like CrossFitter people doing it in their gym or the LA fitness that live out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And like those, there's likely not a CrossFit specialist PT in that area where like getting on a zoom call with them would probably add a lot more benefit than eight weeks of therapy in a, whatever clinic is around there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And it helps too with, you know, maybe if you've got more of an athletic population and you've got someone on a performance plan and you want to just have like a quick session with them online, as far as like progressing their plan, and they don't necessarily need you to have them come in Mm-mm. do anything on them. They just need to be, be progressing. They just need, yeah. They just need guidance. That's a lot of it for um, these higher level level athletes, I think. Yeah. I think one of the big goals that I would like to see for the profession is for physical therapy to become that entry point for people who are in pain. You know, if you've got a nagging injury, you've got something that hurts, don't go see your primary care physician or your family doctor who quite honestly is probably going to look at you in the 15 minutes that you get with them and then end up sending you to physical therapy anyway. Yeah. To get these stuff. And like the amount of times a doctor sends me a referral and I'm like, that's not even what this is. (laughs) Yeah. Then it's like, I think it's becoming more and more aware that we are really like physical therapy is really the musculoskeletal specialty. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think as we have become the doctoral level and like, as you know, future, like, cause right now it's, there's only like, I don't know, maybe, maybe eight years of us that actually are at that level where like, I think as that expands and that's the majority of clinicians, I think um, that kind of mindset will only further increase. And I think also, um, more and more people are doing residencies, which I think is only going to help specialize us as that, like musculoskeletal, um, I mean, specialist, but like expert expert. Yeah. That that was one of the debate questions too, is, um, should every PT program require a residency for Mm -hmm. graduation? And I, while I think they're probably good for some people, 
I personally was like, no. That's exactly how I was. (laughs) I've I've been in school for seven years for this kind of stuff. I'm done. Yeah. Like consider I was so burnt out. Like when I was done, I like, there's no way I could have done a residency at that point. But I think also people like you and I, like I was obsessing over all this stuff while I was in school prior to PT school. Like, I don't think a residency would have added a whole lot for me. Um, I think really, I just needed like practice with patients, you know, um, the amount that I learned in my first year, just like trying shit is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying it out. That's, that's yeah. what I do. I just try things. I'm like, well, I wonder if this will work with somebody. Right. If it does. And, like great. nothing wrong with, I think sometimes people get really scared of doing that. Cause they're like, these are real patients. It's okay. Like always do like baseline stuff that you know is going to work and then add in something that you're like, I wonder. Yeah. I'm open about that too with people. I'm like, Hey, I'm trying this out. Totally. I, I say like, the same thing. Like, I don't know if this is going to work, but like, let's try it. Let's give it a, let's give it a go and see if it yeah. makes it any better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, on the social media side of things, I had a quick thought a while ago. I just popped back in. Mm-hmm. Are you on TikTok? I'm not. I know uh, I should be though. I think I've told you this before. You need to get on TikTok. I know. All the young kids out there. Here's my theory. If you're, since TikTok, TikTok has had its chance to blow up and fizzle out, I think by this point. Totally. And it has not. You're right. con- Especially since they brought reels onto Instagram. Like it's not going yeah. anywhere. Yeah. I think, and I think that's where you can be double action. So what I've been doing a couple of times is I will take a TikTok, I'll make a TikTok. And mm-hmm. I think the editing tools on TikTok are a little bit better than Instagrams. Mm-hmm. You get on TikTok, you film it, you do like a 16 to 20 second video with wherever the words you want to put, get the music that you want, optimize it for TikTok, then save that video and then upload it to Instagram as a reel. So you go oh, and add yeah. a reel and then you upload that video. It fits the formats that long, you know, right. nine by 16. And then now you've posted to both platforms yeah. using just one Double and you're on TikTok. And my, yeah. And my theory with TikTok is that it's such a young person app mm-hmm. that as it ages and as the users age and they get to a point where they're having to be self-sufficient and buying their own stuff. Right. Like, oh man, I follow this performance therapist that's been giving me cool tips on how to be better at soccer over the uh-huh. past three years. Now my, now my knee hurts. I need to see somebody there in my area and boom, that's your contact. So I would definitely get on that. That's a good point. I build that up. Listen, anybody who's listening, who doesn't have TikTok, just do it. Even if it's, (laughs) well, and it's like, um, it's so young. That's like, like, I think we've looked at Instagram in that way that like, man, I wish I would have started back then. Right. Mm -hmm. And like right now is that time for TikTok. Exactly. Yep. What are, what are some of your personal goals moving forward? What do you want to accomplish in the next like three to five years? Ooh, that is a good question. So I've been really diving into more, um, kind of like CrossFit, um, or a combination of CrossFit and like, um, so I've been diving into programming. Let me back up. Mm. Um, and really how I focused is having a strong strength bias with adding in um, some kind of corrective exercise, but in a like CrossFit format. Um, I think there's a lot of injury prevention stuff that we can do that's not currently being done within 
um, a lot of CrossFit gyms, a lot of just kind of like strength and conditioning programs. And, um, I think PT has a bad rap of not being fun and I think we can make it that way. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's something I'm super excited about. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and plug this. I'm actually working on a four week program right now. Um, it just started as what I was programming for myself, but basically what I'm going to do is, um, put it out for sale. It's going to be on a pay as you can basis. So it's a dollar. If you want to pay me a hundred dollars, whatever is totally cool. And then, um, for the month of January, we're going to donate all proceeds to, um, local people. So going out, get dinner and I'm going to give you like a $500 tip. That's what I'm putting out there. We'll see how much comes in obviously. But, um, so that's something I'm super excited about. And, um, that's like the biggest thing looking ahead right now. So that's exciting. Do you have a name for it yet? The resilient athlete. The resilient athlete. I like that. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's funny because that that name had been in my head. Like I didn't know what I was gonna do with it. Um, but like I've had this idea for like a year. And then I was like, middle of COVID, I was like watching someone's story and they were she was a bartender and she was just talking about her like fears for the coming months and like just all of that. And I was just like, how can we give, especially as like a healthcare provider, I've gotten a bonus through the hospital, like mm-hmm. talks a second stimulus check. It's like, how can I give to these people? Because it's like, of course, like, do I appreciate that? However much money it is, of course, mm-hmm. but like, do I need it? Not really. So like, how can I um, be in contribution to the people around me? Yeah. And that will be something that's like, is that like an ebook, something like that? Yeah. It'll be like PDF format. And then um, I'm going to do links to, to all the exercises and all that kind of good stuff too. Okay. Cool. Everybody, I'll, I'll try to give a, I'm sure you probably don't have the link set up yet, but no. I'll put a generic link down in the, the description of the podcast that'll have um, her contact info anyway, so that you can just follow all yeah. that. And then whenever you shoot me a DM, we'll get yeah, you all the good stuff. Whenever you're ready to release that, then people can sort of click on that and, and get what they want from there. But um, so what, what advice do you tend to give to athletes in general? Like, Someone comes in to see you, they're having issues, they're having pain. Maybe they get through therapy, maybe they get to the end of therapy and they're still not better. Like what what is a good set of advice or tools that you give to people moving forward to try to push the envelope for them? Yeah, Um, my first piece of advice is like dial in the basics. Make sure you're drinking half your body weight in water every day. Um, Make sure you're sleeping eight to 10 hours a night. Um, make sure like you're walking throughout the day. I find that that's something that our CrossFitters specifically really struggle with because in their head, they're doing these super high intensity workout. But a lot of times it's like you sat at the desk all day (laughs) and like that there's a lot of research that really shows the negative effects of that. So I really encourage people to, um, I don't recommend necessarily like the 10,000 steps a day, but like to move throughout the day, being focused on that and intentional about that. those are my like top three, just like dial this stuff in before we like really get down the rabbit hole. Um, and then of course, really looking at nutrition. Um, and I'm a big proponent of just like adding in quality food. I don't tell people to, I never tell people to not eat certain things or anything like that. I think the more we can just like add in healthy behaviors to our life, the better off we're all going to be. Um, and then getting into specifics of, um, 
kind of the movement space, really being intentional about your warm up. I think that's a piece that really gets missed for a lot of people. Um, it's something I post about all the time. Like I have a warm up for just about every movement, I think. Um, but I think so many times it's like people do like a 500 meter row and they're like, all right, I can hop on the barbell. And like, that's not it. (laughs) So, um, so that's something I really emphasize with people. And then, um, if someone's coming to see me, they know where a lot of their deficits are, whether that's mobility, stability, um, specific strength areas. Um, and I just like to kind of give people some tools to, um, build that into their training. Um, a lot of times I think it's really boring to do mobility work. It's really boring to like do these silly corrective exercises, but if we can put it in a format that, that feels like accessory work, that feels like Mm -hmm. performance focused, I think that's a piece that's really helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. That's in my experience, that's been the best way to get athletes to do some of the stuff that I want them to do is if I make Mm -hmm. it seem like it's part of their program, like they're, yeah, it's part, this is just part of your training. Like your band pull-aparts that I want you doing to increase, you know, your scapular, you know, mobility and how that hang, you know, some people get that weird flaring of the scapula Mm -hmm. rhomboids are shut off. I want that thing stuck back to the rib cage so that it'll rotate properly for overhead movements, but they're just viewing it as like, Oh, I'm strengthening my back Mm -hmm. for my snatches. That kind yeah. of stuff. So you can kind of frame things a little differently to fit, fit what they want. I'm big on lots of education too. When you just mentioned rhomboids, that's what made me think about it. But a lot of times like I'll dry, draw a scapula on the board and talk to them about why like if this muscle is not turning on, this is why your shoulder mobility sucks. Yeah. And like, this is why you always drop the snatch forward. This is why you never stick your landing. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's helpful for people too, just like understanding why and like that it's the like, they have a shitty snatch because the rhomboids aren't working. So like, maybe let's fix the rhomboids and like your snatch is going to be huge. I'm sure. Yeah. And that's a big piece of the puzzle that I think it, it, it's harder for students and new therapists who aren't very articulate. Mm-hmm. They have everything that they need in their brain and in their muscles to do what they need to do. But if you can't articulate in a way that's going to get your patients to understand, like, yeah, I know what's causing your problems. And I'm going to explain it to you in the way that makes it seem like, Oh, duh. Like that makes sense. My, my shoulder blades not rotating. Right. So that's why I'm getting stuck when I do my snatch, like things like that. If you got to find a way to be able to explain it to people Mm -hmm. and that's a big struggle for, I think some of the more shy and like by the book types of students. So that would would be something that I'd love. I think teaching students how to teach should be like an elective course. Oh my God, I know. I'm not even elective, mandatory. <laughs> mandatory, yeah. Like, gonna, it's, and maybe not even a whole semester. Let's make it like a half semester, six week long, one day a yeah. week. We're going to teach you guys how to communicate with people. Just how to connect with people. Yeah. You know, like I think that is something that really helped me. Or like, I think that's why I was so successful early on is that I really emphasized like just caring about people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's huge. Yeah. People have no issues, you know, in, in part of that time that they're paying for, like sometimes they just need someone to listen to them and understand totally. what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. they don't need another doctor just to, just to be pointing at them and prodding at them to, and, you know, ask them about what they do at home. What are their goals? What are the things that they like doing and connect with them on that kind of stuff? I feel like half the healing happens when 
they feel like they're being understood. Because a lot of times people are like, I'm having this pain. I have no idea where it's coming from and nobody understands me. Yeah. But if you can I was actually just listening to an Ed Milet podcast and he was, um, he was telling the story from when he was like 30 years old. I guess his uncle died of a heart attack at like 50. So he was like, oh, I need to get my heart checked. And um, once he like got everything done, the doctor was like coming in to give him the results. And his doctor asked him like if he had kids. And at the time his wife was like six months pregnant. And the doctor was like asking him, do you want to walk your daughter down the aisle? Like all these questions hadn't even told him the results, like got into what mattered to him prior to even talking about what the issue is. So we got him in this space of like, like in his head, like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle if I don't make these changes. And like, I think that's, that translates so much to our world. Yeah. The psychology of people, the psychology of healing. Huge. Really, really important. Yep. That was, that was awesome. I think you've given some really good insights into what it's like to be a physical therapist that's doing their own thing and Mm -hmm. branching off into different niches. And I think if I can get even just one PT student to listen to this podcast and hear that, maybe they've got, maybe they've got something in their mind too. They're like, man, I really want to work with dancers. Yeah. Dancers is my thing, but no one else that I know of works with dancers. Maybe that's something that I'll do on my own. Yeah. The, the, the possibilities are endless with what you can do for people. Yeah. And I think people are so afraid that like, there aren't enough dancers out there that you could ever make a living off of, or like, you know, that sort of thing. And like, there's so many people that want whatever you have that you can, can offer whatever you can specialize in. People really do want that stuff. Yeah. Just take that thing that you're passionate about and turn it into something. Don't wait. Yes. You know, the the best time to plant a tree was, what is it like a hundred years ago? Yeah. Yeah. The best time is now. So yeah, get on it people. You can do it. All right. I want to close. Um, I have three questions that I like to ask okay. to, as our closing questions, just to sort of see, oh, and there's also one other thing that I just remembered that I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. I'll do the questions first and then I'll ask you about something. Okay. Um, what's one book that impacted you the most? You are a badass. You are a badass. Who, who wrote that? Jin Sincero. Okay. S-I-N-C-E-R-O. What's it about? Um, it's like just personal development. Um, if you want to learn how to connect with people, it would be awesome for that. Um, it was just like one of those books that like hit me at the right time. And like, anytime someone says my favorite book, that's the first one that comes to my mind. You're a badass. I love it. Cool. What's one healthy habit that you have that improves your life? I have a really strict night routine and morning morning routine. So my night routine I'm like, I've always really struggled with sleeping and like, obviously I value it. Like I know the importance of it. So, um, like an hour before bed, I won't look at my computer or my phone. Um, I tend to journal, I'll read, I'll do anything like that just to kind of downregulate from the day. Um, and it's actually something, a tip from that book was right before you go to sleep every night, tell yourself like, I'm going to in the morning. And I swear it works every morning. That's like the first thing I think like, wow, I feel so good this morning. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I need to get into a better bedtime routine. I've recently been a sucker for just like playing Scrabble or whatever. On my right. Phone. It's so, like, it's so easy to do. Yeah. It's not good. I don't. Okay. Yeah. What is a quote that inspires you? Ooh, let me think. Um, okay. The, the only way out is through. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. 
There's no easy way around. Just no. put punch through it because you are a badass. Because yeah. <laughs> you're a badass. You're a badass. I like that. <laughs> awesome. My last question is, um, what has your experience been so far with Whoop? Oh my gosh, I love it so much. Yeah. So um, I like you had it, and I was like asking you about it. And I was like really interested, and then when I saw it was like the free first month, I was like, okay, this is the time to try it. Yeah. Um, but. The thing I love about it is I think, um, sometimes the Fitbit and like some of those, they get too obsessive about like the steps, the calories, like, Mm -hmm. um, that stuff. And I don't think that's always super healthy for people where I love that. I feel like whoop is focused on wellness, Mm -hmm. like wellness and recovery. And that's what I care about. So I am obsessed with it. (laughs) Yeah. I love whoop. It's, it gives you this, this idea of like, how did, how well did I sleep? Is my body primed for a hard workout day today? Or should I take it easy? Like what habits do I have that are probably negative or positive for helping me improve? And I think for elite athletes, yes, this is the thing that's moving that needle forward as far as how do you prepare for competition? But for, I think for everyday people, it's, it's a really good way to just see like how you're doing period. Totally. Like you said, it's wellness. Yeah. It's wellness. And I think the people that I really like it for are like firefighters Mm -hmm. or like the nurse that works 12 hour shifts Mm -hmm. and realizing that like, yes, training is incredibly important, but like, if you just worked a 12 hour shift, you slept like shit the night before, like your strain is however high. Um, like I'm, I'm hardly ever the person that says like, you shouldn't train at all today, but like Mm -hmm. maybe go in and just move. And like, there doesn't need to be any guilt around that. You know, it's like this, it's almost like giving you permission to like half-ass a workout. And I think that's really beneficial for a lot of people because I think most people really go too hard, um, Mm -hmm. especially early on in their like health and fitness journey. Yeah. To go in, you know, even if you do the class workout, you know, just do it. Turn down the intensity. Light. Weights. Yeah. Take a rest break. You know, (laughs) I think people get turned off. They're like, man, I'm in the red. Like, Maybe I should just not do anything. It's like, you can still do something. It can still be recovery. Just don't make it high intensity. Work on your mobility. That's a great day to take off, to work on your mobility, do some stretching, all that kind of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it's really like people really struggle to like check their ego, especially in a CrossFit class, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's um, one of those things that can really guide you in terms of like, like if you can turn the, like the actual app on during your workout and watch your heart rate Mm -hmm. and like, use that to tell you like when you have to take a rest break because it's so easy to like tell yourself I'm gonna go five out of ten you know RPE today but then like your best friends they're like going hard and you're like ah fuck it yeah (laughs) you know like I know that's who I am that's who I've been so like I think it's a really good tool for um kind of guiding you in in what your intensity should be for that day yeah I use the zones a lot the heart rate zones when I'm working out usually if I get if I find that I'm in the like 80 to 90% for quite a long time through a workout, like I know it can start to strategize your workouts a little bit better too. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there was one day that I think we had, it was um, a list of movements for an AMRAP and the, it was three separate AMRAPs separated by three minutes of rest. And the first one was only five minutes. So there was no way you were going to get done. Mm-hmm. With all the movements in the five minutes. It was just to see how far you could get. So my strategy for that was, okay, I'm not going to finish it. So I might as well just go as hard as I can and 
push it just to see where I get. Yeah. And that strategy changes when you get to the 10 minute one and it's like, right. okay, I'm going to get passed around. Uh-huh. I don't want to go too hard. And so then you can start to gauge based off like, okay, where was my heart rate at when I went super hard in that last workout? How can I make sure I bring that down just enough that I know I can last longer? And then it's just, it's a lot of fun if you're someone who likes to know. Yeah. That workout made me think of, there was a CrossFit games. I'm almost positive. It was Patrick Barber, but he, this was like, 2011, like mm-hmm. long time ago, but, um, there was a workout like that. I think it was like three, six and nine minutes. He went super easy on the three minute and like busted ass on the six and then he ended up getting first place in it. Yeah. It's and all then, like he had to kind of forfeit three and nine for it, but like yeah. the same kind of concept that yep. was like, let's go as hard as possible on this section that most people probably won't. Right. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Kara. That was a lot of fun. Of course. Really good. What? Where can uh, people find you? What people? My know? Instagram handle is at Doc Kara Hayes. That's D O C C A R A H A Y S. Um, that's probably the easiest place to find me. In all reality, um, if you want to shoot me an email, my email is Kara at performancert.com. PerformanceRT.com. Cool. I'll be sure to link all that stuff in the bottom for everybody. If you want to have a quick link over onto all of her stuff, um, I'll basically just put that tag to your Instagram profile. And I think you've, you've probably got like a link tree or something that has yeah, I do. everything else on it if you want that. So yep. thank you again, Dr. Kara Hayes, for talking about everything that's led you up to where you are now and what you're doing for the world of physical therapy and athletes. And of course. Uh, I think uh, we'll, we'll go on from here and go lift some heavy shit. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. See you.